Um, that's all I have this time. Uh, so let's uh, let's turn to the book of Matthew, if you would. Let's stand as in fifteenth, the fourteenth chapter of the book of Matthew. Let's stand as we honor God's word by standing. I had a call this week from a fella, and uh, he says, "He said, I just want to let you know I've been listening to your helpless messages." I said, "What kind of message is that?" He said, "Your helpless messages." And I said, "Are my messages helpless, or are you talking about the title?" He said, "Oh, I'm talking about the title of them, and the helpless." Uh, he said, uh, "He said I've been enjoying them," and uh, he said. Uh, uh, how many of them are you going to preach? I said, well, I'm going to preach them until they, they're exhausted, but they won't be exhausted this summer because I'm not, I haven't even got over into the Old Testament yet, but, uh, but there's, a, there's a lot of them out there. All right, uh, helpless disciples. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 14. And if you want to, turn over to Mark 6. Matthew 14, turn over to Mark 6. And John 6. And just keep your finger there. Because I want to read each account of it that's, that's listed in the scriptures. Mark 6, Matthew, uh, uh, John 6, and Matthew 14. We're going to start out in Matthew 14, begin in verse 22. This, this, this is really interesting, as all of them should be, I guess. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples, that is, he uh, made it mandatory. There's something to this now when I say that. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. When he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst or in the middle of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch, that is approximately three o'clock in the morning, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, Is this a spirit? And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Here's another important verse. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him. And here's what Jesus said unto him. O thou of little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? I turn with me to Mark, the sixth chapter, if you would, beginning in the 45th verse. Mark, sixth chapter, and the 45th verse. And straightway, y'all go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down, because 
you know, you know, I stand for all of this. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent, sent away the people. That's just both, both accounts. He, he, he sent away all the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the middle of the sea, the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch, around three o'clock in the morning, about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed that it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wonder. For they consider not the miracles of loaves, for their heart was hardened. As another important verse. We'll be talking about these things in the message. Alright, now going over to John the sixth chapter. John the sixth chapter, and beginning in the fifteenth verse. John 6 and verse 15, he says, And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and... Uh, oh, hold on just a minute. Yeah. John 6 and 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. That's an important verse. And when he, when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship and went over, went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five or twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh to them and they were afraid. But he said unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings of it. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Thank you, Lord, for these these accounts where, where even these disciples needed the help of the Lord. They needed, they, they were helpless. They were helpless in the condition they were in. And they need the help of the Lord. They needed the Lord to show up and, and, and save them. <clears throat> Not only the, 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 those in the ship, but also Peter who, uh, who needed the Lord to save him from drowning. And Lord, we just know that there's times in our life. And as we think about this, there are times in our life when we absolutely need you, Lord. No, we don't, we don't need family members. We don't need friends. We need you, Lord. And I pray that you'll help us to see those times and understand and not be like those disciples who didn't even recognize their Savior. I pray that we'll recognize when you come to give us aid and give us help. 
For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Helpless disciples. First of all, do we not realize, you listen to this message, I wish everybody was here, but uh, I, I can never be so. Do we not realize that we, as his own, can find ourselves in a helpless condition? You know, do we ever find ourselves in a helpless condition? We, we must realize that we can and will find ourselves in a helpless condition. It seems to me that some today figure they have it all figured out. They done got it all figured out. What's going to happen in their life? What's going to happen tomorrow? They got that figured out. What's going to happen all next week? They got that figured out. What's going to happen? What's going to happen uh, uh, next week? They got that figured out. They, they they've got it all figured out. This is what we're going to do. We've got it laid out. This is what we're planning on doing, and we're going to do it, and uh, and, and it's all figured out. Well. That's, that's how we live. Serious about that now, that's, folks, that's how we live today. That's why that sometimes, and I'm going to get into this more, a little, little deeper, that's why sometimes that we don't recognize the Lord working in our lives because we've got it all figured out. we got it all figured out. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to stay? How long are we going to stay? When are we going to come back? And when you can you expect us? They got it all figured out. Now, but really they don't. I've got that in exclamation. But they don't. They don't have it all figured out. They don't have it all figured out. You know, uh, uh, I've known of people who who say, well, I need to go to the hospital, but they die before they get there. Or people who go to the hospital and they diagnose them with a disease. I knew a man one time, I know Brother Ed lived a while with his with his uh, uh, pancreatic cancer, but I knew a man one time many years ago who was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, he was dead in three days. You know, he... He was expecting to live a long time after that. He was expecting surgery. He was expecting pills. He expected medicine was going to help him and cure him. But he died in three days. The by the word says that he was constrained. He constrained the people to go away. He, I mean, he constrained the disciples. You've got to get out of here. You've got to get, get out of here. Now why? He had a great multitude had followed him. The multitude that he fed the day before, a lot of them had followed him over there. But when, but when, uh, uh, but when he, the feeding was over with, he told disciples, he said, you gotta get away. You gotta get out of here. He constrained them. That word constrained is a very strong word. In other words, he didn't say, you might want to, you should. He said, you have to. 
It's mandatory that you get out of here. And understand that. Why? After he fed the 5,000, most of the people he fed were of the Roman Empire. They were Romans. Now he just had fed the 5,000. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't ever think about what these people were he fed. Most of them were Romans. Well, uh, he knew it was the Romans themselves and their emperor who was starving the people. He knew the people were conversing among one another to come and get him and make him a king. What he says, I just read it to you. They wanted to make him a king because he did such a wonderful thing for them. They wanted to make him a king. Well, that's not going to go very well with the emperor of Rome. The emperor of Rome was their king. They wanted to make another king. They wanted to follow another king. Even his own disciples, even his own disciples embedded the ideal that it would be good if he was an earthly king. These, all these people had, had, had been working on his disciples and even his disciples was saying, this might be a good thing. He should be a king. He, he should be a king over, over, over this earth. Them making him king would never go very well with the emperor of Rome. And also he wasn't sent to the earth to become an earthly king. For he was already the royal messiah. But no one ever saw that. No one ever saw the royalty that was in him. All they saw was a carpenter's son who went around in, in regular, regular clothing, who went around in regular clothing doing great things. They never really realized that he was the Messiah, the very king of the Jews, and very, the very king of all of the kingdom that he ruled over. He was the very king of that kingdom. They never did see that. Jesus heard the disciples to get on the ship that they, that they very likely came over on. He wanted them to get away from being influenced by the crowd. Woo. Well, what would we do today if if I told you, you can't go here, you can't go there, they're going to influence you. I'd be, I'd be chased out. I'd be run off. What if I told you, you've got to get off of Facebook because you're going to be influenced by those people on there. I had a, had a person call me this week. He said, I just want to warn you of this. He said, your people are being influenced behind your back on Facebook. He said, I just want you to be aware of that. Because he said, I know 
you're not on Facebook, and I know that you don't have too much to do with it. Let me tell you, folks, that's exactly why Jesus constrained his disciples to get out of there. You've got to get out of here now, or these people are going to influence you. These people are going to cause you to follow after them and make me try to make me a king. What does this tell each of us? What does this tell each of us? That it is a sin to follow the multitude to do evil, what the Bible says. It is a sin to follow the multitude to do evil. Well, what, what, what is evil? People don't do any evil. Oh, don't tell me. It's evil to stay out of church. I wish I could get that across to people, but you can't get it across to them. It's evil to stay out of church. There's a multitude that are doing that today, and they're being followed. We need to learn to evacuate a place where talk is being expressed that we are taught against. We we should get out of there. Because Jesus wasn't concerned with the ocean. Jesus knew that the water was going to come up. He knew that the wind was going to be boisterous. He wasn't concerned about them getting in that ship and going back and drowning. What he was concerned about was that the people were causing them to listen to them. And they were doing it. That word I use, embedded, that that, that comes from a Hebrew language which means that the people were interested in doing what they what they were the, the disciples were interested in doing what they heard. What they heard was let's make him a king. Let's make him a king. He fed he fed five thousand. Let's make him a king. They wasn't thinking about Jesus being the Savior. They were, all they were thinking about, their, their bellies was full, and when their bellies get empty again, he'll make them full again. That's all they were concerned about. <clears throat> it is very difficult to reject earthly family and friends and, and do it and follow the Lord. It's very difficult to do that. Jesus saw his own disciples begin to follow after the crowd. He saw them. Now, if we are to understand the helpless disciples, we must see the turmoil which had erupted on the sea. Now, this this is 
You, you think Jesus didn't know that the wind was going to blow like that? You think Jesus didn't know that that ship was going to about to sink? He knew. But the safest place for his disciples, his own good was on that ship that could sink. That was the safest place for them. Let's think about how much turmoil we have in our own lives. How much turmoil do we have in our own lives? The ship on which the disciples boarded, sailed to the middle of the sea, was found to be, the sea was found to be very rough, for the wind had caused the sea to be rough, which in turn caused the ship to toss around. But he told them to get on that ship. It didn't have two or three engines on it. They were doing like this. Trying to get out of that, trying to get out of the middle of that sea that was, wind was blowing and the waves were going up over the sea. And they were trying to get out of them with oars like this. And Jesus saw them struggling. He, he knew they were struggling. But yet he went up to pray. Yet he went up on a hill to pray. How, how important was that to him? It was important to him, the people, had wanted to make him king, and he knew that he came, he couldn't be their king because it was not his time yet. So he went up on a mountain and he prayed to the Heavenly Father about this very thing. This caused the disciples to be very afraid and helpless on the sea, which caused them to have no control of the ship. Jesus had gone on the mountain to pray. Did you ever wonder why? Why did Jesus go up on that mountain to pray? Why did Jesus thought it was necessary for him to go up on that mountain to pray? Well, I don't know for sure, but I believe it is the same reason that this pastor has to step aside and pray for he sees people wanting to follow the world more than want to follow the Lord. Yes, I have to step aside sometimes and pray. I believe that's exactly why he went up there to pray. He was praying for those poor disciples who, number one, was wanting to follow them. You know, that was a... Well, didn't they know anything? Were they so ignorant that they did not know that he could not be an earthly king? He talked about his kingdom... He talked about his kingdom many times. His disciples, if a man's got a kingdom, he's a king. Just like the kingdom that's here on earth now, he is king over that kingdom. And there is no lost person that's a member of it. It's all saved people. He's king over that kingdom. Now, if we're to understand the helpless disciples, we must see the times we find ourselves helpless in the need of Christ to come to our aid. Will that time ever come? Oh, it will. 
Has that time ever come? It has. It has come. I, I, I'm telling you folks, I've been pastoring you folks for, some of you for 35 years, and some of you most of your life. And I've seen times when I knew you needed more than just my preaching. You needed more than just somebody getting up here and preaching a message to you. You needed more than a revival. You needed more than a Bible conference. You needed much more. You needed something that I could not give to you. The sad part about it was that they did not even recognize him when they saw him. Now, and that's something. His very disciples didn't recognize him when they saw him. They thought it was some kind of a spirit. Well, you surely, they would know that there was no such thing you could see a spirit. They should know that. The Bible, the Bible is taught many times. They were taught that Jesus was a manifestation of God who is a spirit. Jesus was a manifestation of him. And here Jesus comes out walking on the water and they say, uh, some kind of spirit has come here to drown us. It's come here to push us under. Listen. Why doesn't, why doesn't Christ come? They didn't even recognize him when they saw him. They thought him to be a spirit of some kind. Jesus spoke to them some of the most wonderful words a child of God can hear if they're listening. I won't make that clear. Some most wonderful words a child of God can hear if they're listening. And that is, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. How many times has the Lord shown us not to be afraid of something, but yet we're still afraid? What about finances? We get scared to death. What about, uh, uh, what about the jobs? We get scared to death. Even though we know the Bible teaches God's children never beg bread. They never have to beg bread, which means God is going to take care of them all their life. He fed a 5,000 of them, so why in the world can't he take care of me? Why would I have to starve to death? Because God can't take care of me. He comes, but we can't see it. We can't see it. What words we need to hear often in this day. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. The sad thing today is, is when Jesus is speaking, we don't even recognize it. We don't recognize he's speaking to us. I know of things that's happened right here in this church that people never did see that it was maybe Christ speaking to them. Or they went on living the same kind of life they always lived. 
You know, let me tell you, folks, sometimes God will do drastic things to get your attention, but still, you will not see it. You will not understand it. You don't see that it's God speaking to you. These disciples are in the same shape that a lot of professed Christians are in today. It's because they don't see the help when it's there. They think, I have to go do my own self. I have to make my own money. I have to make my own, get my own bread. I have to do all this. I can't trust the Lord. He's not going to do it. We're going to get to that in just a second. We miss out on a lot by listening, by not listening to that still small voice, which is telling us that we are wrong and we need to be right. That still small voice that is speaking to us. You know, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going through some, some dilemma right now. God is convicting me about a lot of things. I don't know why he's doing it, but he's doing it. He's convicted me of a lot of things that, that I have a hard time sleeping the night over. I know God is speaking to me about something, but right now I don't know what it is. Only thing, only, only thing I can come to is, Lord, let me live as I should live. Maybe this will lead me. Peter being Peter, Peter being who Peter is, wanted to walk on the water as Jesus was walking on the water. Jesus said, come. That's what he said. He said, come. Come on. Come on. Well, he did. And he did as a lot of us do. He took his eyes off of Jesus and saw what was going on around him. That's our problem. That's our problem today. That's why we're sinking in faith. That's why we're sinking in everything else we have today. It's because we're seeing what goes on around us. How many of you have been somewhere where you've seen a lot of things? Brandon Jessica saw me out there passing up pictures of Jesus. If you haven't seen that, you need to look at it. I told a Sunday school class, I said, I've got cousins I don't even know. And I do have a cousin named Joseph. I don't know where he is or who he is. I wouldn't know him if I saw him. But if but him, if it's him looking like me, then I guess I would know him. Yeah, I, I do have a cousin. I know his name is Joseph because Joseph was a, was a name that came down through my dad's family because my dad's middle name is Joseph. But I don't know. Rhonda wanted to know where I got that hat at. She said, where'd that hat come from? I said, Ron, I don't have a hat like that. She said, well, it sure looks like you. See what y'all started? He said, Come. And he went. But he, he started looking around him. He started to sink. As soon as he started looking around him, as long as he was looking at Jesus, as long as he was looking at Jesus, he was okay. 
But just as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, he started to sink. Why do you think God put only one window in the ark? And that's at the very top of it. You know how many, you know how many people have asked me that question that have gone to Kentucky to see the ark? How many people have asked me that question when they got back? Why is it there's just one window in the top of the ark? That's because Noah is not to keep his eyes on nothing but God. He's not to look around him and see old uncle so-and-so drowning, old cousin so-and-so drowning, or mom or daddy so-and-so drowning, a little baby drowning. He, 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 wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't left to look at those things and see those things. God said, you keep your eyes on me. Well, you know what's wrong with us today? We take our eyes off of Jesus. We do. We take our eyes off of Jesus. We start looking at what's going on around us. And then we think, well, boy, God wouldn't put me here if he didn't want me to see those beautiful sights. He started to sink. Jesus had to catch him from drowning and said to him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? Ooh. He knew Peter's heart. He knew that when Peter started looking around him, he doubted that he could ever get out of there. He doubted that Jesus could even take him out of there. He doubted. How many of us doubt? We stand up here, we preachers, I've preached for years and years and years, and how many people go out the door still doubting that some of these things aren't real? What's real in this life? The only things I can hold on to, the tangible thing, the things that I can hold on to, the things that I can see, the things that I know I can control. What is it? Not some ignorant Kentucky mountain preacher standing up there telling me if you just trust the Lord, all these things will be added to you. Had a man the other day came and sat down at, at McDonald's. Matter of fact, it was last Wednesday morning. Came and sat down at McDonald's and he said he made out his will. He's a man that liked to die here recently. He made out his will. And he said, I left uh, so many thousands of dollars to my church. He said, I left uh, uh, so many thousands of dollars to the ASPC, Rhonda. I guess that's it. What is it? Something about the animal things. He said, I left so many thousands of dollars to the Humane Society. And I said, well, how, do, how come you didn't leave a few thousand dollars to your friend's church? He said, why would I do something like that? I said, you know, if, if you left at the Landmark Baptist Church, I said, you know what you'd be doing? You can't take it with you. He said, oh, no, I can't take it with you. But I said, you can send it on ahead of you. 
That's what Jesus said in the sixth chapter of Matthew. Jesus, Jesus taught, said, you're not going to be able to take with you, but you can send it on ahead of you. He said, put your riches in heaven. Where they won't, where they won't rust, where nobody will get them, where somebody can't get your, can't get your number and dry and, and clean out your account. He said, put them up there. Where they don't corrupt. And he said, I don't know that the Bible says that. He said, I doubt that's right. There you go. We need to ask the same question of ourselves. Why do we doubt? Why do we doubt? A lot of Bible here. A lot of things taught in the Word of God. A lot of things taught to us that, that we can live our lives by. That we, we don't need anything else. We don't need anything else. We don't need a, 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 an ounce of education, a worldly education. We don't need an ounce of anything else. But this Bible, you know, my dad couldn't read and write. But let me tell you one thing. He loved this Word. Mom would sit and read it to him. He would have mom read it to him. He loved this word and everything that was said in this word. My dad believed it to be right. You might say, well, no, everybody needs education. No, you don't. What you need is you need to realize that God will take care of you regardless of what it is. All right, let's all stand if you would. We're going to sing a verse of song, and then I'm going to let you go to lunch.